to Wednesday Night Wallop. Ryland Turner here, and almost as always, joined by Chef Jack London. Sh- Chef Jack, welcome back to the show. What? Thanks for having me. How are you this fine evening? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, man. Another Wednesday evening, a great wrestling. Let's do it. Yes, absolutely. We have AEW Dynamite to get into, but without... Uh, or, here, let me let me try that again. As always on this show, we start the show the very same way. It is time for the Wednesday Night Roundup. It's the Wednesday Night Roundup. Jack, we've got a little bit of news, not a ton of news, but we've got some news. Let's let's get into the the story that broke today. Uh, Trinity Fatu, formerly known as Naomi, is set to make her Impact Wrestling debut this Friday. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, this is a big get for Impact, I'd say. Yeah, I, I think she's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting to see what they choose to do with her. What type of creative license? She gets to come with, especially coming off of WWE TV and the high-profile run that she had. So um, I'm interested. Let, let, let's see. We see what Sasha's doing, but of course, Sasha's a much bigger star. So it's going to be interesting to see what she does with, with, with the light, with the glow that she has. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Monday Night Raw had a lot of news come out of it this week. Let's start with the big story. CM Punk was reportedly backstage at Raw in the afternoon before the show aired. Uh, He had reportedly spoke to Miz uh, and cleared the air with him. uh, Very briefly talked to to, uh, Triple H and uh, was then told that uh, Vince wanted him out of the building. And uh, he was, uh, uh, you know, understanding of this left without any incident. Um, apparently, he was uh, he was brought into the building by talent when he had, uh, I guess, met up with them on a connecting flight that he was taking from Florida. Well, he was uh, I believe he was doing some commentary for Lead XC this weekend. So he he was backstage at Raw. It was a little bit of a hullabaloo about this. But I mean, like, we all know he's coming back to AEW. So is this a... Is this like a scheme to try and draw some viewers over? Like, you don't know what he's doing. Like, are they trying to drum up a little bit of interest for this? What are your thoughts on this? Um, All I can say, man, is what a time to be alive. (laughs) I mean, so we know that he's contracted to AEW. We know that for sure. Um, We know what that situation looks like over there. I was honestly shocked. I mean, because he's had dealings with WWE with doing some of the backstage stuff um, on the show. But just CM Punk is not the guy to just put himself out in that way. And in some ways, it seems like it could be kind of embarrassing. You know, you show up, they fired you on your wedding day and you vowed never to go back. And then you show up backstage and they have to actually leave and you're still contracted to AEW. So it's just such a messy, messy CM Punk thing to do. And I love it. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is I feel like when it comes to CM Punk and this whole situation in AEW, I mean, you were the guy who who reviewed uh, All Out with me uh, at the beginning or at the uh, the beginning of September. You were there to discuss all of the the ins and outs of that situation. Uh, New reports have come out stating that he's willing to work with the Bucks and Omega. He's willing to work with Jericho. Apparently, there was a meeting with him and Jericho over the last week. Uh, Not a lot of news came out of it, except for the fact that it looks like they're going to be able to work together going forward without incident. 
Um, what are your thoughts on this? Like, it, when it comes to CM Punk returning to AEW, number one, is he needed? And number two, are you interested? So, um, yes, I, I'm interested. Is he needed? I, I think when we think about CM Punk, um, you know, when he when he came back in, you know, I just never forget the way it felt, you know, Punk coming back. And it was such a big deal. And it was such a, uh, well, we're tired of happy Punk. Where's the other CM Punk? And then we get this. I, 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 I legitimately feel like CM Punk... Uh, may be experiencing some remorse for some of the stuff that he did, you know, going forward. Cause like you said, he misses wrestling. And, um, I don't, I, I think this went a lot further than we thought it would go. Uh, especially if you, if you juxtapose when Tony Khan was sitting and he was telling you, you know, how much CM Punk's done for business. And then you juxtapose right after that, press conference and it's like wow he's just completely just blowing everything up and now CM Punk just kind of disappears and you can tell that he wants to get back doesn't really know how to get back he said a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff happened so to answer easy answer yes I'm interested CM Punk is always an interesting figure but I think the the CM Punk that we're going to get going forward i think it's just going to be a little different because now there's a clear line that some of the wrestlers that have been there for a while they're not looking to kiss phil brooks's ass <laughs> and some of the wrestlers that you know are coming up they may be but you can't have such a line like whatever you say or every advice that you're trying to give everybody should be lining up to listen to it because everybody's found their own way so, you know, I, I think it's par for the course. But yes, I'm interested in CM Punk has always been an interesting and compelling character. So going forward, I expect nothing less. Our top story tonight, we're going to talk about the sort of big gold belt. <laughs> Jack, Triple H debuted a, the new WWE World Heavyweight Championship title on Monday Night Raw, stated that in the Saudi Arabia, in Saudi Arabia at uh, what is it? Night of Champions. Uh, a new champion will be crowned. Uh, this was a weird promo. Like, firstly, starting with a lot of praise for Roman Reigns and how intelligent he is to be able to work himself into a contract where he doesn't have to defend this title on a constant basis. But also, then basically saying, this new champion will not demand your acknowledgement and and uh, will defend it regularly around the world. Um, firstly, what are your thoughts on the look of the belt? Uh, so as far as the look at it, uh, the the first look, uh, you know, I had to look at it again. Now, now let's see what they went for to merge the old belt, the old big gold belt with the new big gold belt. Um, uh, I'm, I, I, I think I have less of a problem with the look. I, my larger problem is what this means for the belt in general. You know, like even if you look at that belt, if you put that belt on Cody, it, it it there's something about the whole finish the story storyline that is hinged upon winning the belt that Roman currently holds. So I'm a little confused as to if that the belt that Roman holds is still those two belts and then they're adding a third belt. 
or if you just completely split the belt. Was that explained in your opinion? Uh, it wasn't. Uh, my assumption is that the Universal and the WWE Championship will become one. He did state that wherever Roman Reigns is drafted, I guess starting Friday, draft is coming up, guys. Um, wherever Roman is drafted Friday or Monday, he will take the championship with him. I'm assuming they're gonna get, just they're just gonna call it the WWE Championship. I'm hoping they don't stick with the Universal. Uh, title uh, like i just that's it for me it was always a lame name for a title so i i'm just i'm not as interested in hearing the wwe universal champion over and over i know i know it's been years at this point but it's just not something that really gets me going so with all that being said though like i do agree with you i don't think cody is the guy to put this belt on i think cody needs to finish that story with roman that's that's my opinion i think cody needs to go over Big time against Brock Lesnar at Backlash. I don't think you can. Uh, the only way you can do this match where either he loses or he doesn't go over strong, there has to be a stipulation in this. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but like, I don't I don't see Cody beating Brock with the crossroads, even with three of them. I don't see him doing it with the pedigree. <laughs> I, 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 I just don't like how you've. How you've made Brock look over the years, like it's just for Cody Rhodes to do it. It just I I'm very very nervous about this match. I think they could have a, a banger of a match, but it really depends on what Brock's willing to do, and I think it really depends on how high on the totem pole they feel Cody Rhodes is. And personally, like this guy's a top guy. Like mm-hmm. even even in losing to Roman has stayed. Great numbers on TV. The crowd's reacting to him positively. He's the guy. So why we needed to keep the belt on Roman? I if you put that if you put this new World Heavyweight Championship on Cody, it makes the WrestleMania loss that much worse. Yep, I agree. So my my pick would be Seth Rollins. I think this is a guy who has been under the radar for the last year, but while being under the radar, quietly having one of the best years of his career. Uh, as well as um, going out there with guys and just killing it every single time. Logan Paul, phenomenal match at WrestleMania with Seth, Seth Rollins. Great match with Roman for the or for the uh, the championship at the Royal Rumble. Uh, great matches with Riddle. I, I saw one of them live at a house show. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. So now that he's a babyface. I think the the direction should be to put this guy in the position to win this championship, and he he deserves it. He very much so deserves it. Uh, This is a guy who, if he, like, you got, I'll put it to you this way. We we haven't, I don't think we've talked about the frustration with Drew McIntyre on this roster, on the show yet. So I'll I'll leave it up to you. We'll we'll talk about it here, Jack. Like, Drew McIntyre is reportedly not happy with the creative the direction and how he's being booked in wwe is holding out until he gets offers from elsewhere for uh for for contracts before signing a wwe deal um this is a this, that's a big star to be wanting to kind of you know take a step outside and and test it and this is a guy who was successful when he went out and did this before so he knows he can do it and now we have an aew and we have uh, a lot of these companies that were not around while he was on his little indie run there, there's prominent tv time everywhere uh whether or not you're on network tv or on a streaming service or what have you 
Drew McIntyre, or if he would be, or as he would be known, Drew Galloway, is a guy who number one WWE's got to figure out what they're doing with this guy. This is like a shit or get off the pot type moment with with Drew. This is a guy who deserved that win against Roman. He 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 deserved. He carried this company through the pandemic, and I, I could see a Seth Rollins feeling very similar. Like we're talking about a guy who consistently goes out there, has great performances. He's over with the crowd and it wasn't a them shoving him down their throats. The crowd eventually grew to like him. He was playing a heel for the longest time. So I, I, I think that this is the guy. I think this is the the, the guy to, to put that title on. And if you really want to have a good start with this championship, I think him being inaugural champion is a great idea. I, I, I can agree with that. I think the problem that they've that they've run into and this is not a new problem, there's only so many top spots. And the 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 best uh thing about having one champion is num well a few things. Number a few of the things it made it made the intercontinental title and the United States title a lot more of a focus. It put some respect on those titles by having that one championship, and it put a huge focus on that one championship that everybody was chasing. So if you look at it from from Drew's perspective, I think Drew was just a victim of what they wanted to do with Roman. So realistically, yes, Drew could have taken the belt, but the problem was they were trying to build this Roman as this legendary force in past this thousand day threshold. So I think Drew was caught in the mix of that. And you can tell when you stop seeing the same passionate Drew on TV and he just kind of fell to the background and he's doing tag stuff with Sheamus. And there's only so many top spots and there's only so many ways to make the other spots feel um, something of prestige. And if you look at what he did through the pandemic, I can see why he would feel some type of way about his position now. And But I really think he was just a victim of what they're trying to do with Roman, just like Cody was a victim of that same thing. But the big piece that I keep saying is if this belt... If this is a third belt, meaning the belt that Roman has is still two belts, and now this belt is a third belt, that's one connotation. If they've just split the two belts now once again, and we just went right back where we're at, that's a whole different connotation. Either way, I think that splitting the belts or having two champions is it, it reverberates across. WWE and it really changes a lot of stuff not necessarily for the best so I don't know what they're going to do with it I think it's interesting but I do think when you put people like Cody and you talk about finishing the story if Cody does not win that belt that he went for and you give him this other like almost a um a, 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 I don't want to say a trinket, but a, like 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 a, a well, you couldn't win this belt, so we'll give you this one. I think that can have a negative aspect. And like you said, Seth would, was a, was a guy that you would like to see. And my dark horse was actually, believe it or not, Jay Uso. 
I, I I think that would be an interesting story to see Jay Uso with with that belt after all that's happened. That is that is interesting, and I, I that's a story I think I I definitely would want to uh, would want to follow. Like that's that's some good stuff, Jack. You always bring the hot takes when you come on this show. I sure try. <laughs> all that being said, it's time to move on in the show. Uh, it is time, Jack, for my favorite segment on this show. It is time for Dinner Before Dynamite. Mm. Jack, as I ask Kyle every week, what'd you eat? So, you know, this week I, I went with a, a nice... Um, I had a, a Jets pizza, and I made sure, since I knew I was coming in the Dynamite... That I had the extra spicy pepperoni, and I had oh, some good yes. ranch to dip it in, just to bring some nice balance. So some nice cup and char pepperoni, nice and spicy. It was a good night. Yes, yes, it lo- it looked delicious. What were you dipping it in? Ranch. Ranch. Okay, so this is a this is a hot topic. This is a hot topic because Kyle has referred to ranch on this pro well not this program but a program on our network as white people food. <laughs> And I, I, you are the living, breathing testament. This is true. This is, yeah. Uh, uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> no, that that's just people food. People are drinking ranch these days. So. <laughs> it's true. It's true. How do I want my Doritos? Cool ranch, motherfucker. Yeah. All right. Buddy. I had, uh, as I usually do almost every Wednesday, a bruschetta, but I kicked it up a notch. So our bruschetta at uh, the restaurant that I work at is a flatbread with garlic butter, uh, diced tomatoes and green onions tossed together with some Italian seasoning. Uh, and then garlic aioli, goat cheese, and a, on top balsamic vinegar. Now, I added grilled chicken and bacon to this son bitch, yes. and uh, it was muy caliente, just fucking delicious. Great stuff. Great I saw it. Stuff. It'll bring a tear to a glass eye, buddy. Yes, yes, sir. Well, with all that being said, uh, we don't have any rundown this week. Um, but we are going to, and we don't have a list this week. Me and Jack are going to run through this show pretty quickly. We're going to go over what we liked, what we didn't like. This podcast is brought to you by Spear King. Literally. Our producer, RJ, has decided to branch out and brand himself, and we couldn't be more excited to hear that. If you've been with Wednesday Night Wallop from the beginning, you will hear that the production has since improved tenfold, and that's all thanks to Spear King. RJ has worked tediously to hone his production skills, from the opening song to the tidbits of music sprinkled throughout, and the editing of the podcast in its entirety. Spear King puts a royal effort into your product. I know for a fact that we wouldn't have the professional sound that we do without his efforts. So please go support our producer in all of his future endeavors, and don't be afraid to reach out about something you're interested in RJ getting his hands on. That's Spear King Co. on Facebook, at spear.king.co on Instagram and at spearkingmusic on TikTok. Spear King, music, media, and production. Uh, and we'll start off the top 
AW International Championship, Orange Cassidy versus Bandito. I thought this match was fucking fire. I think Orange Cassidy over the last few weeks has proven time and time again that he is one of the most consistent performers in AEW. The title defenses constantly really, I feel like, elevates that title, especially considering that every time he goes out to defend that title, it's always a banger. Uh, and I didn't have the same problem I had with the Buddy Murphy match from a few weeks ago where I felt like there were too many near falls and there were too many times where I thought Orange Cassidy... Uh, should have lost the belt. Um, I thought that him and Bandito played off each other fantastically. Uh, Bandito is so such a such an amazing worker. Such a big fan of his. Um, what were your thoughts? I, I think Orange Cassidy, when it comes to character work, like you know, if 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 people thought that Orange Cassidy was a real one note gimmick, I think if nothing, this run has showed you there are layers to peel back. In that orange, see what I did there. Uh, yep. Orange is is out, man. He's putting on bangers. I, I like the way that he finds different ways to work his spots in, and even to take it a step further. He's even working injuries with a with a hand injury, and and the, yes. the story's building. You're getting layers. Uh, you can tell the people that are fighting them, they 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 know what he's doing, so they're finding new ways to work the hand in the pocket gimmick. And yeah, I I loved it, and, and I agree with you with what you said about the Buddy Murphy match. I I think that can sometimes be kind of an AEW crutch, just as far as like there are matches that should not have. 50 false finishes <laughs> like the more you do that the much less they mean it's exciting in the moment but it's like come on not not everybody needs to kick out of finishers and all of that but orange is is really impressed with his storytelling and bandito man they had a good match you know the, to, to see the ending with the glasses and I just I enjoyed it I think orange is on a a spectacular run and, and I'm here for it we cut to backstage where Adam Cole is vowing to call out Chris Jericho. He's being interviewed by Renee Paquette. He uh, walks off as Orange Cassidy and Bandito show up. Uh, they ask if or Orange asks if they're if she's there to interview them. She says no and explains what the the Adam Cole situation. Orange Cassidy looks at the camera and goes oh and walks away. And then so does Bandito. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, we go to commercial and we come back. Renee Paquette has Darby Allen and Jungle Boy now. Uh, they say that they have said, or Allen says that he, they both have said some things they may have not meant. Uh, he asks Jack Perry to have his back, knowing that MJF and Sammy Guevara are going to try and cheat him in the match. Perry notes that he wishes uh, that the two of them, it was, or the, 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 the two of them were having the match. Um, Allen then responds with, well, if it was, I'd win. Um, and then they stare each other down. Uh, Darby Allen says he has to go get ready for the match and to see he'll see him out there, which I thought was weird considering we didn't see him till afterwards. But I also I came into this show late. So Dax Hardwood and Jeff Jarrett. Oh, actually, before any of that, what were your thoughts on all the verbal back and forth between these two? What are your thoughts on the 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 um, the fatal four way idea itself? The 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 three the four pillars. Uh, feuding with this, uh, feuding like this. So, so I, I I like the idea as it was presented at the beginning. I feel like in some ways they they're trying to find ways to only get back to where we know that they're going. Like you know, the just the whole divergent of okay, well I'm gonna take a dive for you, and then 
you know, like I, what I enjoyed was all of them in the ring having that dialogue and, and, and in some ways kind of getting real. And if not real, at least making it feel like, hey, this is how I, I legitimately feel about you. You know, so I, I enjoyed that piece of it. But then when you start peeling away and then now it's OK, well, uh, I'm going to pay him to take a dive and. Now it's, I think it's just getting more complicated than it needs to be. And we all know where it's going. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 I think the segment was, was okay, but I think they are just, just, we know where it's going. And now we're just kind of watching to see it get there. I don't know if it's worth all the twists and turns that we're getting to make it exactly where we're making it anyway. Should be a tremendous match at the pay-per-view though. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Dax Harwood versus Jeff Jarrett. Uh, this was so old school wrestling. It was it was nice. It was kind of like it, it's a complete juxtaposition to the opening match. Um, just completely and utterly different. And I I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, and when I saw the name, like man, Dax has I, I just man, I I love the dude. Uh, <laughs> like it. it you can tell that he's such a wrestling fan. And when he's fighting Jeff Jarrett, who, you know, Jeff Jarrett is Jeff Jarrett. But these are two vets in there. And, and I think Dax is 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 way he's old school, man. <laughs> like no matter what his age is, he is as old school as they come. So yes, like you said, the juxtapose from that match to, to what they did. The real old school type match, uh, you know, I was here for it. Uh, Jeff Jarrett ended up getting the victory, a rare singles victory for him um, in AEW anyway. Uh, afterwards, uh, Sanjay Dutt hands Jarrett the uh, one of the tag team titles and he celebrates with it. Um, we get the Tony Khan big announcement of the week because it seems like these come all the time now. But I mean, the last one being Wembley and this one uh, being the Owen Hart tournament. Um, it's going to be held at double or nothing. The tournament matches will be held in Canada, including Forbidden Door uh, on the July. Or Sorry. Let's see here. The Owen or the Owen Hart tournament will be held at double or nothing. Okay, well, that doesn't make any sense considering double or nothing is... I, I must be reading something weird here. Anyway, the point is, is that they're going to be Owen Hart tournament matches in Canada, which is fucking fantastic. That's the great way, a great way to do it. Um, what are your thoughts on the Owen Hart tournament coming back? So, so I, I don't think you're confused. I think it was explained very confusingly. Like, I was trying to follow the bouncing ball as Tony was talking, and I'm like, okay... So you plug it in, you bring it in, you're talking about this, Owen did this here. But I love the concept. I love the Owen Hart tournament. Uh, it, it, he explained it in a very funny way, but but uh, uh, I think we're all we're all in on, on the Owen Hart tournament and what can come from it. And, and I, more than anything, I'm excited for you guys. Like, I mean, for, for him to be celebrating uh, uh, Canada and, and going to Calgary and all of that, I was very interested in what you thought about that. I, I thought it was fantastic. But yes, Tony confused everybody about as much as Excalibur does when he plugs the next 50 Dynamites. <laughs> <laughs> My God, this this evening, I, I, I thought he was going to pass out. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, were asking for oxygen for him and everything. everything. 
Uh, up next, we had Wardlow taking on a local competitor, Squash, Powerbomb. Arn Anderson cuts a promo. What's your thoughts on Arn Anderson and Wardlow together? Uh, I, 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 uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's weird. Uh, I, I think Arn's been weird ever since he did the whole promo with Cody with the gun and pulling the gun out. Arn is like your, your drunk uncle. <laughs> like he's going to say something. He's going to do something. It's much CTV. I think the pairing of him and Warlow is weird. I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't know. I, I'm hoping that there's something that comes from this. I mean, we know Arn's history, so you, you would expect a turn at some point. But yeah, this this for me is a little strange. Uh, Luchasaurus was brought out. Him and Christian made their way down to the ring. Uh, do you think Christian's getting the Glock? So <laughs> he should, but I'm going to ask you a question that I have asked you, I think, at least two or three times throughout the course of this. Are you ready? Yep. Have they explained what Christian and Luchasaurus are doing together? What I think they're doing together is I think Christian is like 2023 Paul Bearer without all the gimmick. And this is Lucha Kane now. This is no longer Luchasaurus. Like, I made this comment last week. A couple weeks ago, I saw the promo video for, for Luchasaurus, and he, he was red now. And I made the comment, this is Kane. And Kyle goes, I just think it was the lights that were red. And then last week, he comes out at the end of the, the Hobbs and Wardlow match, and he's definitely red. So this is Lucha Kane now. Uh, I, I think that, I, th I honestly... I think that the they're, they're keeping them together. A Luchasaurus isn't a talker. Christian's a great talker. And <laughs> it's good use of Christian without him having to constantly wrestle. Because um, as, as I think we've seen since his AEW debut, this is not a guy who can be full time. He, he needs he just like Edge. He needs like time off between matches. And that's fine. Um and keeping him with Luchasaurus right now, I think, keeps Luchasaurus somewhat more relevant than he would be without him. So I, I just I think that they're going to have Luchasaurus run through a great a bunch of matches. I think this is what we're getting a double or nothing, which I'm here for this. I, I think it'll be a great. This title has really become the Haas title of of AEW. We got so Hobbs. Lucha is going for Luchasaurus is going for the belt and not Christian. Yes, I, I th definitely think they're 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 gearing towards Luchasaurus versus uh, Wardlow. Yeah. Okay. We go to backstage. Sammy Guevara is there. Uh, is with Renee Paquette. MJF walks in. Uh, they <laughs> Guevara kisses his forehead. <laughs> um, they talk about him politicking uh, for the P Pillars tournament. They both don't care about that. Uh, they're they're not going to compromise. They're talking about how they're compromising the sanctity of the sport with Guevara saying he's going to lay down a double or nothing. Um, then Guevara, they, they they basically say that they, they don't care about that either. Guevara then gifts MJF his own vest, and MJF has a gift too. He's brought him his own Burberry. He's brought Guevara his own Burberry scarf. This was silly, um, but these two are. I think they play off each other so well. I, I laughed the entire time. I, I thought this was these. Well, it's goofy, and this isn't necessarily what I'd like to see my world champion doing. Whatever. Like uh, we, like you said earlier, we know where it's going. They hinted at it later in the show, and we'll, we'll get there. Uh, RJ City, uh, Toronto vet, 
is backstage and he's uh, then attacked by John Moxley. And then the the rest of the Blackpool Combat Club says they're going to leave. And then Moxley says they're going to leave some scars tonight. We have our Pillars Tournament Final, Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. This was, as you know, usual, tremendous uh, with these two. Guevara and Darby Allen, I think, are meant to to to, to, um, to wrestle each other. Although we did get a, a fucked finish. Um, what were your thoughts on this match? Well, I. I, I think we we I think in some way in in I, I agree the match was great they 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 got great chemistry I, I I enjoy it and I expect the pillars match to be a classic I expect it to over deliver honestly um, but I think within the framework of the story I think sometimes we gotta figure what Tony Khan's role is because are we expected to believe that when Basically, the main event is in jeopardy by paying for the main event and doing all of the stuff that went into it. That we're waiting on Tony Khan to come and say, ah, okay, you can't pay for the main event of the show. Like all of that is what what needs to kind of be fleshed out. But as far as the the match, match was great. Ending, like I said, that they are going where we know that they were going. They just went a really long way to make it to the exact same place that we know that they're going. So, but yeah, match was great. Um, how they're getting there, you know, it's filling TV time and we're going to get where we're going. And I, I thought that that was funny at the end with, with, uh, um, um, when, uh, Darby, no, Sammy was following MJF to the balcony. He said the car's full. <laughs> yeah, I love that the cameraman was like, Zoom? <laughs> no, it is not. Uh, but we did we did miss a, a one beat there. Uh, the, uh, Sammy Guevara goes over by disqualification, which is basically saying that MJF and Sammy Guevara are going to be the main event of Double or Nothing. Jack Perry comes out to make the save. Um, MJF grabs the microphone, says that at that uh, Jungle Boy and Darby Allen are going back to the undercard because they suck. Then Tony Giovanni interrupts, calls him a prick, and then reveals that he's talked to Tony Khan, and Guevara and uh, MJF are going to team up next week, and if they are to beat uh, Allen and Jungle Boy, they are going to keep the, 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 the singles match at double or nothing, but if Darby Allen or Darby Allen win, they'll be added to the match at double or nothing. Uh, I feel like we're going to get double pin on Sammy Guevara. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think you called it. Uh, this is uh, this is the direction I think that they should have just gone. Honestly, like it to see the Guevara come out and, and basically run down MJF. I mean, like I saw it live for for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden they're best friends. Like I just I think that they. They need a little bit something better, a little bit of something better than this. Uh, but that being said, the match is going to be fire. And, and, and much like you alluded to, MJF and Guevara then leave the building. Guevara tries to get into MJF's car, but MJF tells him it is full before the cameraman pans over and reveals that it is indeed empty. Uh, champion leaves. Guevara looking not too satisfied. Uh, Adam Cole comes out. And calls out Chris Jericho, says he crossed the line last week, that he can't come back from, and that he's going to hurt Jericho badly. The, uh, Jericho's music plays, and then he appears on the uh, Titan Tron, says that he won't be f- uh, f- 
fighting Adam Cole tonight. He calls him a coward because he watched his girlfriend get beat up by them last week. Uh, the, which brings out the Appreciation Society, Daniel Garcia, Parker, and Menard. And of course, big purple uh, bucket hat Jake Hager. Who then attack Adam Cole. Orange Cassidy and Bandito make the save, which seemed strange, but sure. Suddenly, uh, we get an unfamiliar song that plays, and Roderick Strong makes his way down to the ring to a huge pop. He comes in, saves, makes the save. Him and Adam Cole give each other a hug that uh, got a huge pop. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Firstly, I, this is a release or a um, a contract running out that nobody knew about. This was a legit surprise. The last time we saw Roderick Strong, he was in NXT and we knew that he wanted out and that he had asked for his release. But all we had heard was it was denied. Now, obviously, this has been in the works for at least a month now, considering that, you know, we, we know how these contracts in WWE are structured, especially in the NXT level. Yep. What are your thoughts on this? I thought this was great. Yeah, I, I did too, and and it was a legit surprise, you know. I, the first thing I thought was when I seen Roderick, like, bring on the he's all elite graphic because you know it's coming. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice surprise to see him, see him with Adam Cole, and you know, just wonder are they gonna you know put the band back together? I think Bobby Fish did. Bobby Fish leave the company officially. He did, yes. Okay, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see, but yeah, this was a this was a welcome surprise. Adam Cole is gonna need some some backup, and and it's gonna be nice to see uh, uh suplexes and backbreakers from every which direction. I'm here for it. Let's go. Yep, yep, agree. We get our next edition of QTV where Powerhouse Hobbs makes it clear that he's not happy with his loss to Wardlow. QT Marshall promises he's going to be champion again. And then he tells the rest of the guys in the office at QTV, we need to go to, what was it, Plan B? Yes, Plan B. (laughs) We're going to find out what Plan Plan B is. Yes, the elusive (laughs) Plan B. Uh, What are your thoughts on QTV? Like, have you, is this something that's been interesting you? Have you been kind of like, how do you feel? I, so I, I like I like it more than most. I, I get a kick out of the inside jokes and you know that that sort of thing. Now I don't think they're going to spend out any main event talent out of it, but I I think if you're a fan of like being elite and stuff like that, you're going to get a lot of funny inside humor from it. Um, I get more of a kick out of QTV than I ever do seeing him actually wrestle. Like that, that is as mid as it gets. So I get, I get a little enjoyment out of, out of QTV. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, TBS championship match, Jade Cargill, the champion against Taya Valkyrie. Uh, I'm going to, here's a hot take for you on this one. This match was kind of just meh. Like, I feel like they did not gel well at all. I think Jade, the hardest thing with Jade is finding an opponent that she meshes with. I don't think Taya Valkyrie was the one. And it looks like they're going to be going back to this because there was a roll-up victory for Jade. Uh, the, the, the the theory, or sorry, the, um, the stipulation behind this match was Taya Valkyrie could not use her finishing move, which is Road to Valhalla, which is the exact same move uh, that Jade uses, um, which is called the Jaded. Or what she calls the jaded. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts on this? So it, it, I don't think they did a good job of establishing why she can't use the move. Um, 
<laughs> I, you know, it's the same move, but but they uh, like so she's allowed to body slam, kick and punch, which you know everybody's doing that stuff too. So I don't think they did a great job of setting up why she can't use the move. Um, this match is actually a match that I have been looking forward to, so I was excited about, and and it, it I believe it was more of an angle than a match, I, and and I. Although I don't think Taya is the one to break the streak, in my opinion, I think that's where we're going. I think she's going to be the one to break the streak. Um, just because of the way that they did this and did the loss, and now they're going to set it up. So I, I think Taya will be the one to break it. Uh, but yeah, this was, I, I was really honestly looking forward to this match, and it, it they just gave us an angle. In 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 match clothing. That's what they gave us. An angle in match clothing. Put it on uh, a t-shirt. I I do uh, agree to you agree, agree with you in that. Uh, I do not agree that I think that uh, Ty Valkyrie is going to be the one to take the title off Jade. I think with the recent IWGP Women's Championship loss that Mercedes had over the last weekend. I think Mercedes Monet may be making her way back to the U.S. of A. And how how great would it be to have Jade lose the title in Toronto at Forbidden Door? My God, that right there, what, what you just said, shut up and take my money. That's what I would, That that is, that is what we can hope for. But the way they set this up, I'm like, they are going to another match. But no, would you say it? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Do that. Listen to us, Tony Khan. Listen to us. <laughs> uh, post-match, Valkyrie attacked Cargill, Layla Gray, and even went after Aubrey Edwards. Uh, almost put the road to Valhalla on her. Um, but the referees eventually uh, calmed her down. Uh, this was whatever. I kind of wanted. To, I wanted. I wanted to see her land it on Aubrey. Honestly, I, I was like, "Why do we have to get the referees out there?" Because if she lands it on Aubrey, they have a reason to TV suspend her. And then you can hold off on this for a little while. Right. Uh, but I guess Aubrey is such a um, a babyface character. It would almost be a turn. Like if true. she was to do that to Aubrey. And that's what I was thinking. If she did it, I'm like, this is a turn. Uh, you know, bad idea. But but yeah. Yeah. Backstage, we have Britt Baker along with Jamie Hayter. They make it clear to the outcasts that they have declared war. Uh, Jack, is this headed towards blood and guts? No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know where this is heading. I think we know what's heading to, towards blood and guts. Um, but can we not do two? Is is this is this enough of a like? If you would think blood and guts is like blood and guts, like this is a final. We have to do this. We have extended all other possibilities, non-sanctioned blood. I don't know if I don't know if they've made it quite there yet. I think maybe that's the thought, but I don't think they've made it far enough for blood and guts. And they did mention putting somebody in the in the ground or a casket, if I remember correctly, didn't she? What was the the end in line of the promo? And I think I, I I cannot remember. Yes, it's something about uh, uh, we're going to put you in a casket, put you in the grave. Something that, uh, that alluded to killing. 
So I'm like, maybe this is a casket match. I don't know. I'm, I'm confused. And did, did they go on the, the the mandatory woman segment time, or did they shake the format up this week? Well, I mean, I think we had the the match uh, under nine fifteen. Although, I mean, if I'm scrolling up here. Uh, you you might be right. I think we might have got this standard time for women. And what's funny is last week they opened and they did such a great job. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and, and and they also had that segment with Britt Baker and Adam Cole and the Jericho Appreciation Society, the Outcasts, which I also was very high on. I thought that was really great, too. Um, our main event tonight, Kenny Omega and Kenosuke Takeshita. I got that name that time, but I stuttered. Versus the Butcher and the Blade. This was our Dan, uh, Brian Danielson joins commentary for this match. I love the new shirt. Um, this was fine. Like the Butcher and the Blade are a capable tag team to take a loss on TV against guys that are uh, more exciting to watch. Uh, no, no shade on them. I just don't think that they're ever tag team champion material. They're guys to make guys look good. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I understand why they did this match, but I almost feel like it would almost have been better suited to be Claudio and Wheeler Yuta in this spot. And then, you know, bring out the the, the Moxley and Danielson post-match. Um, but with all that being said, I think you want to protect Claudio and Wheeler Yuta in the sense of not having them eat losses to these two guys. Um, the match ended with Takeshita hitting a... What was it a V trigger? Did he, did he actually hit the V trigger onto uh, the 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 blade for the win? Um, Post match, of course, the BCC comes down. Uh, they do a big beat down, and this brings out uh, the young bucks who hit the most perfect super kicks I think I've ever seen anyone hit. The first one on on Claudio was was just mint. Wheeler Yuta also got another great one. Um, but eventually, the uh, the advantages the advantage is taken back, uh, or sorry, uh, the it looks like the elite are going for the screwdriver, which is my girlfriend's least favorite weapon in wrestling. Every time the screwdriver comes out, you hear the same thing over the phone. Oh, god damn it! Um, but she, uh, or she, but sorry, they uh, they were going for the screwdriver spot on John Moxley. Takeshita gets in the way and just I, I think he's trying to. Uh, say that um, they don't need to do this. They don't need to sink to their level. Uh, I honestly thought this was going to be a spot where Takeshita joined the BCC, but apparently not. As uh, then the 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 Blackpool Combat Club took back advantage, and uh, Takeshita was the one who got the screwdriver to the head from Moxley. We went off the air with Takeshita bleeding all over his arm, uh, with Kenny Omega very concerned about him. Um... What were your thoughts on the match and the post-match? Um, you know, the funny thing is they say if, if a referee is doing their job, they kind of disappear. <laughs> you don't know that they're there. That's how I feel about uh, uh, the Butcher and the Blade. <laughs> like, I don't even remember seeing the Butcher and the Blade. They just, I mean, they just kind of blend into the furniture. They were there to help set up the angle. They they were there somewhere. You know, the, match, the, the match was okay. We, we knew... It was all about the post match, and this match was just an. It, this match was a conduit to get to what they did at the post match, and um, I, I thought the post match was a little, a little strange. 
I mean, I think they got to do a better job of of giving to Kesha. Uh, I'm sure I messed that up, but but give whatever his perspective is, because right now we don't really have it. So to have him come out with Don Callis, and if you look at the way that they busted Don Callis open, which is one of the most legendary bust open jobs I've ever seen, hard way. I mean, it was it was gruesome. Yes. But coming off that, like if you're looking every week and you're watching the the BCC lay out everybody, bus up everybody, and all of a sudden for no reason at all, he decides no, let's not do this. <laughs> like so, when Don Callis came to the back and get you last week, like. It, at this point, you got to catch up to what's actually happening. So if they had done a better job of showing that he's on the fence, it would have played better. Now it's just confusing because right. they beat the hell out of everybody. They beat the hell out of Don Callis. They beat the hell out of you or tried to beat the hell out of you. And now it's, hey, guys, although everybody's got busted up, stabbed up with all of this dangerous stuff, all of the furniture, all of the weapons. Right now, let's talk. <laughs> let's let's all talk really quick. So you're watching that, and you're like, well, hell, you deserve whatever you finna get, buddy. And he got it. I think that the reason this was placed here, and I don't agree with it necessarily, but I think the reason this was placed here is I don't think Takeshita is going to get the spot in Blood or Guts. I think they're going to have Kota Ibushi in that spot. I think it makes the most sense. Oh, I think it, boy. You, yes. you, they need they need somebody to help them defeat the Blackpool Combat Club for good. And fucking K- Kota Ibushi loves this hardcore shit. Think about all the matches he had in DDT where he was just doing crazy matches through people's apartments and shit like that. And like he loves all this shit. So honestly, I feel like it it is a, a like you've got the Bucks, you've got Omega, you've got Hangman. He's Hangman's coming. Definitely Hangman's coming to the show. But you want to, like, let, let's add one more. Let, let's put Takeshita on the other side. Yeah. Let's put Takeshita with the BCC. Let's have them bust him up this week. And, and it was, and, and, and then it was Omega's fault that that happened to him. And, and then let's even fucking throw Don Callis at them. Because I think Don Callis is a way better heel than he is a babyface anyway. Uh, gruesome injury aside, because I think that was the most babyfacing thing you could have done to that guy. But, Regardless, when he when he speaks, when when words come out of his mouth, he's a jackass. So, and and I know this. We're from the same town. Um, <laughs> so, with all that being said, though, like, uh, wh- what were your thoughts on the show? What, what are you going to give this bad boy out of five? Um, I would I would give it a I would give it a two 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 and a half three. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, two and a half, three. Maybe, maybe I would lean three because I mean, Orange Cassidy had some good wrestling on it. They they uh, move storylines progressive. So yeah, I, I will go three. I, that's where I'm going to go to. I, I agree with you. I think the opening match was tremendous. I thought that the match with that Dax and uh, and uh, Jeff Jarrett was very good. Uh, the the main event was what it was. The women's match was, but. Um, with all that being said, I thought the Roddy Strong thing really was a was a big big thing for them as well. So I was really happy to see that. Um, 
But with all that being said, Jack, I want to thank you again for filling in short notice uh, on this on this program. It's always a pleasure to have you on this program. Why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to Wednesday Night Wallop and all of our programs what or sorry, where they can find you on social media. So Chef Jack London at all the social media. And, and thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure just talking wrestling with you, buddy. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to find any of our stuff, it's at WN Wallop on Twitter, WN Wallop on uh, Instagram, Wednesday Night Wallop on Facebook. Look for myself and Kyle Joseph's name. Uh, this weekend, Kyle and I are sitting down to record the next Wednesday Night Rewind, uh, it, which is uh, In Your House 4, Great White North, the In Your House live from Winnipeg. Uh, it's a terrible card. It's a terror highlighted, highlighted by Big Bad Diesel in his reign of terror against the British Bulldog. And God only knows how bad that's going to be. Uh, also, last day of the month in April, you can expect World's Funniest Podcast. DK returns from the UK and man, he's got at least an hour and a half worth of stories. Uh, the show is a long one, so be prepared for that. But anyway, with all that being said, once again, Jack, thank you so much for joining us and you have been walloped. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.